Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Matt West Now Podcast. Obviously, I'm your host, Matt, and we are in Denver, Colorado, Denver Coliseum, home of the National Western Stock Show, and uh, I'm pretty excited about this. This is my buddy, Kurt Blake. For those of you that don't know, Kurt is, ooh, this is going to be a difficult one. How do you describe yourself? The Swiss Army knife of Western sports. It's true, though. (laughs) I mean, and he's also the unofficial tourism guide for Centennial, Wyoming. Or yeah. Maybe yeah. all of Ma- that Ma- old Ma- mountain range right there in Wyoming. Master and commander of the Centennial Yacht Club. You yeah. love tourists in your part of the world, don't you? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about that in a minute. But I wanted to bring Kurt on here because Kurt's a guy that, that when I first started my announcing career, one of the first people I came in contact with, especially when you talk about the, the PBR stage. Do you remember when we met? I think Don't it screw was, this up because I, I, I actually you're one of the few people I do remember. I think it was 2008, wasn't it? It was 2007. Seven, close. Yeah, 2007. Uh, I, I had worked my first PBR in January, and then Jerome Robinson called me, and we ended up working together. I believe now that's where it's going to get dicey. I think it was June of 2007 in Richmond, Virginia. Yeah. Uh, does that make I, sense? Yeah, it does. The, it does. I remember it well. I remember the production meeting well. <laughs> I remember a few of those production <laughs> meetings well. But so anyways, Kurt is uh he's a production uh manager extraordinaire. He's done music, you've done now you're doing pyro, you you've literally done everything. I've carried panels. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You've announced. I know I, you've announced. I've drove trucks. You've drove trucks. <laughs> uh but you started in rodeo as a contestant. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I I thought I had aspirations to be a bull and bronc rider for a while and and that really didn't pan out and I went to uh Jerome Robinson's bull riding school and I will say that Jerome is an outstanding teacher because uh, after the second night of the school he pulled me aside and said, "Listen, you don't have any business doing this, but I do have a job for you." If you'd like, so. But and you had no idea that job was going to turn into a thousand different jobs. Yeah, because I, it really did. It did, and I always tell everybody I I, I do other things in life. I have a, I have other jobs, and yeah. and I do this because I have a passion for it, and I, I I don't want it to get out, but I I would do it for damn near free just because I love it. I love the stories. I love the people. Uh, it, it's about the adventure to me. Same, and I've said that and. In the same token, I don't want anybody to know that I do this for free because it is my uh, how I make my living. But I want to talk more about all the other things that you do, too, because I, I have said this a million times, like what the Dos Equis guy is to beer commercials. Like you're that in, in all of Western sport. You are the most interesting man in the world. I, I believe that. I, I don't I don't think I am. I think I've seen some of the most interesting things. <laughs> but I think sometimes that's just as good because yeah. I've, I've sat and, and watched a lot of life happen, and uh, I feel like I got a, a big chunk of it. I actually watched you one time. Um, now, we won't even tell that story. I was going to tell the State College Pennsylvania story, but I, <laughs> I won't start there. Let's start, let's start with that. music. Yeah. Let's start with music. Yeah. How, how did you get into the, the music world? Uh, they had... Uh, Paul Allen, who was one of the Microsoft founders and and owned some sports teams in Washington, also had a company called uh, uh, Click Effects. And uh, Jerome Robinson, who who was my mentor in this business, had done some work in some of the buildings that Paul had owned. And those buildings were using this. So Jerome 
got word that, hey, you can play music on a computer. And up to that point, we would go to a building and I'd have a box of cassette tapes and you'd, you'd take your pencil and you'd cue them just right. And then I would call, I would be on headset to the booth and I'd say, okay, standby tape one, roll tape two, standby tape two. Uh, you know, crazy yeah. to think about, and it, it was nuts trying to run it and tried to do any any sort of production. So when we found out we could do it on a computer, we thought that was great. And uh, for some reason, Jerome had overestimated my abilities. He, uh, uh, we we were in Indianapolis, and he said, I, "I've ordered this new thing. It's going to be great." And a box shows up with a big, the, the old CPU computers with the screen. Like a full-blown yeah, full, desktop. Yeah. And all of the sound cards and everything were just in there. So I had never taken the back off of a computer. So I have to take it off. I have to figure out where these sound cards go. And then at that time, it wasn't like you could just rip and burn and, and grab music. Right. It's just click and grab and yeah. move right now. I would have to sit down if I wanted a song. And, and connect a CD player or a cassette deck to the computer, and I would have to play the entire song real time to load it. When, but when you look now, where we have you know, 20, 25,000 different cuts on our computers, uh, you couldn't do that now. So were you the first guy to play music on a computer? To the best of my knowledge, yeah, in, in Western sports, yes. Yeah, so basically everybody here in, in rodeo and bull riding, I mean, they basically, all the music guys owe their career to you. You should be getting a royalty check from everybody that works now. I wouldn't say that because, uh, uh, man, there there are some talented individuals out there right now. Uh, Just because it's a podcast doesn't mean you got to kiss ass. It's okay. <laughs> but in all seriousness, like you paved the way for a lot of people. You did. You've you've done more than I think most people that have ever been around you realize. Well, I. I I appreciate the comments, but I can't take any of the credit. I feel guilty taking any credit. I was lucky enough to be around some of the brilliant minds, uh, the Tommy Joe Lucia's, the Jerome Robinson's, guys that had a lot of foresight. And quite frankly, they threw me into situations that, A, I wasn't qualified for, and secondly, I wasn't comfortable to do. I still get in those every week. <laughs> yeah, uh, but it forced me to do some things. And so I get the credit for doing things when actually had i not been forced to do it i would have i wouldn't have done them in the first place that's how my whole career got started in, in all seriousness i got forced to announce and hated it absolutely hated it i was so shy i didn't like talking in front of people and then it turned into a career but i, I got forced into something that like i found out i had a real passion for and, and and you can tell that you do the same thing no matter what facet you're doing but talking about the music let's let's run through uh, a short list of the resume of events that you've done. Uh, PBR finals, uh, NFR, uh, Denver, naturally. Uh, m most any big rodeo you can think of and a lot of little ones that I, I can't even remember now. And it drives me nuts now because, like, we've known each other for a long time. And to see these little punk-ass kids now that, that show up and they've got their little laptop and they've got music. And, you know, there's there's a lot of talent out there. But it's like I want, you know, I remember listening to stories of Phil Gardenhires and, you know, obviously the Tallmans and the Hadley Barretts and all those guys. And it's like I'm... I'm at the point where I'm ready to start listening to these kids start telling the Kurt Blake stories and, and the guys that kind of helped them, you know, kind of helped pave a little bit of the way. Well, it's, it's, uh, it, it's a lot like your industry. I mean, we can all speak, but yeah. do, 
can we do it to to the degree in which can we you say do the it? right things? Yeah, that's that's. And, and you see now everybody in the world with uh, the availability of digital audio clips. Everybody does it, but what I I'm a firm believer that you'll never be good at it until you've been you've done every other job. Because as, as silly as it sounds, as a sound director. You have to have eyes on everything. You have to understand the flow of the show. You have to understand that they, okay, uh, they, they've got uh, five left-handed bulls loaded, and we've yeah. only got three shoots, so right. we're going to have a break. We've got to do that. Uh, there are a lot of nuances to it. And, and working with, with guys like you and, and, uh, and Boyd here, it makes it so easy because you guys also understand it and you understand the transitions and, and uh, you, you, you cover a lot of my mistakes. I was telling my, uh, my camera person back there the thing that um, I owe all of my production knowledge and like the base of everything I know about production to you. I know you credit Jerome Robinson with just about everything you know, but you know, I got hired to go to these Jerome Robinson events. You were running them. Jerome was on the the big league tour. So it was you that kind of took me by the headlock and said, you know, this is how you do things. And so I do, I credit you with, you know, uh, about everything I know about timing and production and when the lights are supposed to go at a certain point, when the music's supposed to hit, you know, um, so, so thank you. I don't know that I've ever said that publicly. Well, thank you. Those are kind words. And, and in that string, I would say that I am incredibly proud of you, and I've texted you sometimes in the past. I, I see some of the things you do and where you've gone in your career, and I was there. I was feel like I was there when you started, and and that's the that's the greatest reward in the in the world. I, I see, uh, I you know, I see the Brad Narducci's, I see the Matt West. Uh, uh, this is going to date me, but I. Uh, Justin McKee and I worked Justin McKee in his first rodeo. We were in Indianapolis. Uh, uh, the the Randy Smuts, the Brandon Bates, the Clint Atkins. I I look back now and I I don't feel that old, but a lot of those guys I was there at their first event, and I take a lot of pride in seeing what they've done and where they've become. Okay, I want to get away from all this mushy shit because yeah. uh, it's getting awkward. Now let's go to some real life stuff. Real life is you have over the years become very close with one PBR entertainer by the name of Flint Rasmussen. I have heard of him. Yeah, a lot of <laughs> a lot of a lot of PBR fans, a lot of rodeo fans will know you kind of as as his Ed McMahon during the Outside the Barrel show. Yeah, yeah. Well, somebody's got to write his material that's, for him. That's isn't that something? Yeah, yeah. I'm glad that you do it during the NFR because I have to do it during the weeks. Oh, uh, it is. Uh, it is full time job. It's taxing. Oh, oh, oh. But you guys have gotten into some interesting situations, and I told you I was like, "There's, there's one story that has to be told if nothing else gets told," and it's the fact that not only are you, you know, a mountain man, you, you've got all these businesses, uh, you're a music guy, you're a production guy, but you're a crime fighter. You're like a modern day superhero. Uh, well, that that that's a strong strong word, but I, I, w- I wouldn't say superhero. But I would like to think, given the opportunity to do the right thing, that I would I would step up and do it. Tell the story. Uh, Flint and I, in our glamorous our glamorous life in Las Vegas, uh, go shop a couple of times at Walmart to restock our rooms because uh, nothing says uh, world class entertainer like, like peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, we're pulling into a Walmart one time off Silverado Ranch Road in Las Vegas. And Flint's on the phone, and I'm in the passenger seat. And 
I see a guy running out of the Walmart, and he's got two of the big gallon bottles of vodka, you know. And I see this manager chasing him, and he uh, the manager grabs the guy and almost gets him stopped, but not quite. And the guy turns around with a bottle, tries to hit the manager, and drops one bottle. And I'm watching all this, and, and at this point, Flint's still oblivious because he's on the phone. And I said, hey, that bastard's robbing the store. I said, I said get him well i'm paraphrasing so uh flint takes his uh at the time his enterprise rental car because he was captain enterprise and uh he does a u-turn and the guy is running south across the walmart parking lot and we're chasing him well then he crosses silverado ranch boulevard which is a a main thoroughfare it's it's three lanes in each direction i don't know what that word you just used, but it's a big street. It's a big street. Okay. Well, the guy runs across it. Well, uh, Flint chases him right across it. We drive across the curb. the 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 guy's running the wrong way down the uh, along a bank by their drive up window, and we pull, we we finally catch up on him. And Flint rolls up next to him and rolls down his window and says, "Hey, brother." And so the guy stops to try to go around behind the car. I hope I'm explaining this well. Well, as he does, Flint hits the brakes. The guy hits the back of the car. The the last vodka bottle drops on the ground, crushes. And the guy's coming around. Well, I want to jump out and catch this guy. Flint still has the car in drive, so I'm... I can't get the door open, but when I finally do get the door open, I have to chase the guy across the ditch, and I tackle him. And he's... He's kind of greasy and slimy, and, you know, the, the guy hadn't been having a good day. He just robbed vodka yeah, from yeah, a Walmart. Yeah, of course, yeah, he's greasy and slimy. Yeah, at 10 in the morning. So uh, I'm holding him down with not trying to get too close to him, and uh, uh, the manager from Walmart comes across, and I think, okay, we've, we've got this. And uh, the manager from Walmart takes the guy's wallet and looks in it, and there's only a couple of bucks, and he takes a couple of bucks, and he starts to walk off. And I, I said, hey— uh, you you call the police? You gonna? What do we do here? And he goes, "Now nah, the police won't do anything anyway." And he walks off. So now I find myself holding this guy down, who just lost all his vodka. Now he's lost. Now I feel like I'm an accessory to a robbery. Oh my god! <laughs> and they didn't do anything about it. No, nothing. And, and so so I sat there for a few awkward minutes, and then I have to say, "Well, have a good day." Well, at that point, once he was secure, Flint did come give him a. a a good lesson on life, a little lecture. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. I can only imagine the yeah. uh, life lesson that he learned from Flint Rasmussen. Yeah. Yeah, Flint was able to get... It took him a little while because he had to get his soapbox out of the trunk and then get up on it and then then lecture this By guy. By the way, welcome to my high-class Denver studio. Uh, there's a tractor in the background. I don't know if you guys can hear it on the audio or not. If you see it on the video, obviously. There's a uh, giant John Deere tractor dragging the arena here. But I wanted to do this here because this is a building. This is one of the first, quote, unquote, big events that I got hired to do. Uh, I got to go to my first PBR in January of 07. I came here, I believe, in the next year or two years after. So it was 2008, 2009, the first time I came here. And we've worked every PBR performance together since then. But, man, there's a lot of history in this building. Uh, There is uh, an incredible amount of history. They used to have right where we're sitting is where the band used to be, and I was I was hired to replace the band. 
So uh, that that's part of my history and. And uh, so, were you the first, like, quote unquote, music guy to come in here? Yes. After the band? Yeah, after the band. I bet there were some pissed off trumpet players. I think. Probably, Did you ever have to fight any of them? I, I didn't. They were, uh, they were all getting up there in age. I think, uh, I think that they had been here since the building was built, and so I think they were looking to go south in the winter anyway. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Speaking of fighting, you uh, you wrestled back in the day. Well, a little I, bit. I know we're yeah. kind of jumping all over the yeah. place here, but again, like your story is one that like I don't know, I can't even tell it. So um, let's go back and talk about your wrestling career. Uh, there's not much to talk about. I, you wrestled in college, right? I wrestled a little in college, yeah. Where at? At the University of Wyoming. Go Cowboys. Cowboys. Yeah. Isn't it crazy that people try to shut down National Day of the Cowboy? Is that not one of the dumbest things you've ever heard? I hadn't heard that. It was so, last no. Was it last, <laughs> last year or the year before? Yeah, they, they tried to shut down. Was it Montana, I think, that they tried to vote down uh, a little piece of legislature to not recognize National Day of the Cowboy? That got changed i don't think they not in montana believe it or not yeah no yeah probably bozeman (laughs) that's like uh i don't know i try to think of a really liberal city in wyoming but i just can't do it laramie laradice really oh it's it's the boulder of wyoming in wyoming we only have one four-year college and it's located in laramie so that's where it's like a melting pot yeah uh laramie is akin to Boulder, Colorado, or Bozeman, Montana. It's uh, a lot of a lot of free thinkers. <laughs> Have you, you were born and raised in Wyoming? Yes. You love it there. I do. I you, do. You love it so much that when you get bored in the winters, you just decide to build things. Yeah. yeah. It's one of my favorite stories <laughs> ever. Uh, yeah. I. I what are you? Are you? Are you talking about my guest house? Yeah. yeah the, the guest yeah. house. So so I go to Kurt's house one time, and he's got this guest house that he's built. And then when I realized how he built it, like I, I, I was blown away. Well, if you're gonna if you're gonna live in Centennial, Wyoming in the wintertime, you better have a, a good shop with some fun stuff to do. And some hobbies, or you will go insane. What, I, like okay, so talk me through this whole process because yeah. this is crazy. I, I just I've always wanted to build a log house, a log cabin, and so uh, I went and got some logs. I, I went to the logging company and I. I bought a truckload of logs. They came and dumped it at my house, and I started peeling logs. and And then on the cold days, I'd go in the shop and I I built the all of the walls up in the shop uh, throughout the winter, and then took it all apart, moved it over into the willows, and uh, put so it back together. You basically built it. Mm-hmm. Basically, you remember those Lincoln logs? Oh, exactly. When I was a kid, you did that with real life logs. Yeah, yeah. You you need. You need less time on your hands. I uh, I have been told uh, that the the description that uh, Thomas Jefferson used to describe Meriwether Lewis applies to me as well, in which he said uh, his talents run broader than they do deep, and so that's that's probably me. That's that's <laughs> that's actually a great quote. Like that's probably going to be on somebody's tombstone somewhere. I hope mine. Yeah. <laughs> You, uh, I hope I get one. You are kind of a, a little bit of a, I don't know what the, the, the right word is. You're obviously, it's not a philosopher, not necessarily a hippie, but like you're really into um, like Jimmy Buffett, for instance. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like you could, you could probably disappear for months 
to an island somewhere and just listen to Jimmy Buffett. Well, uh, I've always told when when people always tell me, I don't know how you could go spend that much time alone. I tell them, well, you probably don't like the person you're hanging out with. That's why you can't do it. I I, I love it. I don't mind me. <laughs> and the more uh, the the older I get, the more I start to realize I wish I had more time alone. But but to uh, on, <laughs> on your point. Part of this industry has taught me that uh, the you travel the world, you come across all. I I could have been stuck in Wyoming my whole life, and and there's nothing wrong with that. But my my view of the world would have been so much more narrow. Uh, this industry has given me the opportunity to to travel all over the world and see all kinds of different cultures, and I've always tried really hard to have an open mind about it. I I don't. I don't want to be that closed-minded guy. I, uh, it's all about, the, as we said earlier, it's all about the story. And if it looks like it's going to make a great story, I'm going to go do it. Man, ain't that the truth? What's the craziest place you've ended up? Because I know you've been, you've literally been all over the world. But what's the craziest place that that you look back now and you go, holy shit! Like, a kid from middle of nowhere, Wyoming, ended up here. Uh, I would say Muscat, Oman. That was pretty crazy. Uh, doing what? The every seven years, the uh, the the sheikh or president—I am sorry—the sultan, sultan, the sultan of Oman—they do a festival, a seven-year festival, and and what it amounts to is they don't let uh, they don't forgive the major crimes, but if you were in jail for petty theft, they let you out. If uh, you owed me twenty dollars, the sultan would would pay me the twenty dollars, and they call it even. Well, every seven years they do this, and they, they do an equine and camel festival and they he'll send his his is uh, a colonel out of his arm from his army to travel the world and find these different acts whether it be the uh the stallions uh the lippins out well, i can't just even just to put on a show yeah yeah uh the moroccans uh all of that and and so we were hired to do the the western rodeo part of it and, and bronk rumford and kate rumford were a part of it trail Bauer. Uh, there were several great people involved, but uh, we went over and our we had two three-minute segments. But we went over in December. I got done with the national finals and left shortly after that. Flew to Muscat. Uh, we were over there 14 days rehearsing this. Uh, there were two live orchestras. There was over two million dollars worth of lighting, and it you set out in the middle of the desert. Crazy, yeah, and uh, the, all just for this little entertainment. Yeah, the opening ceremonies had three thousand horses, camels, and people involved in it, and uh, yeah, that was a great adventure. It, it was scary because not only was I over there to help produce it, but I was left uh, with the task of of cashing the check before we left the country, and and that turned into a, a bit of an adventure. Uh, when you don't know the money, the denominations, uh, the language, and they give you a big duffel bag full of money, uh, and it's midnight, and the taxi driver is 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 doing you a favor, avoiding the traffic, taking an alternate route, but you're in some alleys, and and, and you think that it's you think it's the end. You got to be terrified. Oh yeah. I'm gonna assume they. The, the cab driver doesn't speak the same language you do? No. The only thing he said was, uh, the only English I heard him say, uh, right, 
within moments of when I thought I was going to have to make a run for it, possibly choke him to get out of it, he turns around to me and says, holds his thumb up and says, shortcut, good, no? <laughs> Did, I mean, do you tip a guy like that? I don't, I don't know how that works. I I, I don't just know. Just get out of there as fast as it, you can. It was just a it was a different environment. Uh, the some of the uh, one of the high ranking officials with the Omani and with the Sultan gave me a card, and it looked like a simple business card. But I didn't have to speak the language. If I had any issues, all I just had to do was card. show that card, and it just. All I've the, done that a lot of places with your business card. Hey, we're in the middle of a, a setup here at the arena. Does he need over here? Are we in his way? Can Rich? Do you mind somebody checking? Just I just I don't. There's this guy looking at us, and I feel like I feel like we broke in somewhere, and yeah. we're not supposed to be here. Yeah, we're good. Little does he know, like yeah, he's interrupting our world exactly. Um, I, so going from like Oman, someplace like that, to some uh, different places, beautiful is like. I don't know Spokane, Washington. Yeah, Spokane. That's one of the, that's 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 when I really started rethinking my life decisions. <laughs> you you and I sharing a hotel room, not only a hotel room but a bed because it was so I was terrified. Yeah, I was so insanely scared of what was happening. We had to walk around the ambulances and the police cars to get to our room, and then. Uh, I'm surprised the water would even turn on. I thought the the water would have been frozen. The room that was, it was so bad, but uh, again, a great memory. But the best part of the story happened afterwards. When okay, so we we go to dinner, we do something, go to the building or, or something. I don't even remember, but I remember pulling into a parking lot full of lights and sirens, and just being scared out of my little Oklahoma mind. And apparently, they had had some shit go down there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they uh, apparently they had shot the lady at the front desk in a, in a robbery attempt. Now, if you're in uh, if you're in bad enough shape that you're robbing a Days Inn in Spokane, Washington, you, I would say that you you've come close to hitting bottom. God, can you? I, I mean, we still slept in the hotel that night. Oh, well, we're no going to sleep under the bridge. I honestly, oh, I, no. I would have rather slept <laughs> under the bridge at that point. Yeah, I uh, I had drank forty seven cups of coffee <laughs> that day. You introduced me to a whole new world. I and I still to this day I don't like coffee unless it's brewed in the Northwest for yeah. some reason. Yeah. The uh I, some of those coffee kiosks have have some of the finest coffee I've ever ever tasted. Yeah, fully flavored uh and if you guys live up in Washington, Oregon area, you know the little drive-in coffee shops that we're talking about. Uh there's no corporate coffee place in America. It compares to coffee in the Northwest. No, there isn't. There isn't. They've got that going for them. Um, I would think some of those girls get awfully cold. <laughs> <laughs> Their little room has to have a heater. Yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit. About, okay, because earlier I said that you were probably the most interesting man in, in Western sports and this whole lifestyle. So we've talked a little bit about the production. We've talked a little bit about the, uh, the music. Let's talk about Kurt Blake away from rodeo. As much as you will dive into, <laughs> who is Kurt away from this world? Ah, uh, I was a uh, a contractor, land developer. Uh, I own some retail space. Uh, sell a little beer and whiskey on the side. Um, is is it not a, a pretty substantial sized liquor store that your family has? It uh, 
for for the state of Wyoming, yeah, it, it ranks up there. Uh, it's it's no longer the largest by square footage, but I think we're still the largest by volume. Your contractor build onto it. I I should. I mean, <laughs> I <laughs> as soon as the bank will give me more money. <laughs> but you uh, you you kind of had your own little compound going there at one time where you were building houses you had the land and, and you were doing a lot yeah we did it. It, it we were my brother and i were second generation in it and uh we expanded the business and and went into the real estate development and we were even doing construction financing and uh we had a real estate company so we would build it sell it develop it whatever and it it was nice and i i've got to give my brother credit because he had the foresight in about 90 uh or 2007, 2006 or seven said, uh, he's a lot smarter than I am. He's, he's damn sure not nicer than I am, but he's smarter than I am. Uh, he said, listen, I, I think this thing's about to crash. He said, why don't we sell a lot of this off and go do what we want to do instead of what we have to do. And, and so we made the transition and did some of that. And it, it freed me up to, uh, to do more things in Western sports, which was a passion of mine. And then then there was an incident uh, in Canada, and that that kind of took me out of the game for a while. Where they, uh, are you talking about the incident I was involved in, somewhat, or was waiting on you to cross the border, or was that yeah. before? No, uh, this was before my time. No, it Which was during you your, it was during your time. It was during your tenure up there when you couldn't uh, cross the border. Oh yeah, yeah. When I they they wouldn't let me out of the airport in Winnipeg. We snuck into Canada one time. We Remember did. That? Yeah, we did the, a back road up there to uh, Abbots Abbotsford somewhere. I think yeah. it was Abbotsford. Yeah. But you, we, I don't even know how to say this. Um, we weren't sure whether or not you could legally get into Canada. Surely, the statute of limitations is over by now, right? I'm going to try it again. I bet if I go up there and say, hey, I just want to spend money and fish, I bet they let me in. I, I, I bet they let you in. But what happened with us was we didn't know if you could get in. Right. So did we fly into Seattle maybe? Yeah, we flew into Seattle and rented a car. And, and went then, to the Space Needle. <laughs> and then uh, we got off the interstate and went east a little bit and found a little back road, county road. And, and then it was, oh, it all was, of a sudden we were in Canada. Yeah, it was easy to get in. And then we decided to leave in the middle of the night to try to cross the border again and lo and behold it was closed and we could not get across the border yeah i I didn't know international borders had uh business hours where they opened and closed but i you've put me in a lot of situations in my life where i was scared ditto ditto (laughs) (laughs) ditto uh i've Uh, never done that to you uh no but there was a year that we uh you and i traveled from uh what was it yakima yeah, over to Portland. Yeah, and uh, Went we out had to the, the coast. We, it's been a whole week. Yeah, we had a whole week, and that was that was a really fun trip. Man, the good old days. Yeah, like yeah. we. I, I don't think anybody in this business realizes how much fun we have on the way up. Yeah. And I think that when we look back, we realize how much we take for granted. Like those are the times that I think all of us get to a certain point in our career or in our life where we look back and go, "Man, we had it really good back then." Yeah, and we still have it good. We do. I mean, we've got a great set of friends, but I, I don't know if it's age or what it is, but I've gotten to the point now, Matt, where even here, as many years as I've done it, uh, tonight when this is over, I'll take one last look around because you never know if it's going to be the last time. And I do that at, at every event. Yes. Yeah. I, I just want to take it in. I, you know, I cherish 
like these opportunities and, and let's be honest we got a studio audience here you know our good pal richard matt they're they're hanging out here big um, and little sexy big and little sexy but it's things like that like we go to the restaurant the other night richard jones will not tell his real name to the waiter he only says big sexy and so the waiter all night long calls him big sexy well of course matt Merritt sitting next to him has to be little sexy well in all fairness to richard i uh we got there before richard did and when he walked in the door i told the waiter i said hey that's big sexy and that's a little sexy it's way more fun to make it sound like he did it yeah i uh yeah i i'm i've never been opposed to a good practical joke really yeah what's the best one you've ever had the best joke i've ever the best practical joke i've ever played uh i was guiding elk hunters at a at a pretty prestigious ranch in northern colorado one time and they'd been having problems with trespassers and uh the ranch manager had a jeep and uh, they were trying to find these trespassers. The same time on the same ranch, the, the ranch is almost 80,000 acres. And so it's huge. Uh, on the south end, they were, dr- the, they were drilling on some, some land, uh, natural gas on a BLM lease too. So there had been some issues with those guys plus the trespassers. And uh, me and my infinite wisdom decided, hey, I should capitalize on this. So I, ha- I found an old windshield and I took all the glass shards and I put them in a canvas bag and kept them under the seat of my truck until it was the right time. It was a night in late October. It was snowing. It was just getting dark. Uh, the Jeep was by the side of the road, which told me that he was up the mountain looking for trespassers. So the opportunity presented itself. So I went and rolled his window down, sprinkled the glass on the seat of his Jeep, and left a rock there. And so... Uh, I get back and I, we're back at the headquarters and I'm meeting dinner and uh, here they come in. And those son of a bitches broke my window out and they start calling the sheriff and they want to block the county road on each end to get everybody coming and going. And I'm, I'm eating and I, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, how far do I let this go? And I, well, blocking the road's not bad. I can let that go. And then they said, well, uh, the manager had the assistant manager says, get in. He says, we're going to go out to the, the, uh, the drilling rig and, and talk to those sons of bitches and i knew that they would get killed if they went out there because i've seen the guys that's drilling well so i followed them out to the parking lot and i said hey before you go uh i need to show you something they said what and i opened the jeep door and i rolled the window <laughs> up. but the plan was is i didn't i didn't think it escalate like that the the humor for me would have been him driving around for three weeks with plastic taped over his window in the winter time <laughs> we i i did something kind of similar to that there in, in delaware one time and to me it's still one of my greatest memories in my entire life is there was a little bitty road closed sign in the middle of town and when i say a road closed sign it was a, a like a big sawhorse that had a handmade sign with a capital R, capital O, capital A, upside down P as the D, and then closed underneath. And I saw it on this little side road, and I was like, nobody's going to go down that road anyways. So me and my buddy threw it in the back of the truck, and we went down to the main highway and the main road that goes into town. We set it across the street, pulled across the road down into a little 
little draw there, turned our lights off and just watched people pull up to that sign and have to turn around and get so mad and cuss everybody. Th- these were people going into Delaware? Going into Delaware, So what? You, so what, you well, inconvenienced two or three people? Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but we sat there for like five hours oh, yeah. and had plenty of enjoyment. <laughs> um, there's another practical joke. I think you might have been a part of it in Las Vegas, something to do with like equine cranium oh oh yeah the horse the 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 godfather moment please please tell it (laughs) uh uh, flint and i were going to meet out there and i think it was september october to do a pre-meeting for the nfr and that and what we do out there uh i had called the the south point hotel and casino and made the reservation flint said just make the reservation this is when i'll be in and i scheduled my flight to arrive around when he did but i got there a little early uh, he shows up right when I'm checking in, and uh, he says, I'm going to go say hi to Mr. Ground and Mr. Gone, uh, finish checking us in. So I'm, I'm, I give the lady the credit card and the ID, and she goes, ah, there's, there's been a problem with your, with your uh, reservation. And any of us in this business, you, you hate hearing those words. Because it happens more yeah. often than not. And you think, crap. Now, now we don't have a room. We don't have anything. She goes, give me just a minute. Well, when she comes back... She doesn't have the uh, the magnetic key card. She has a, a straight metal key. And uh, she goes, here's your room. The, the room number stamped on the key. And great. And so it was on the, the 25th floor. I text Flint and I said, hey, meet me up at this room number. So I go up. I go clear down the hallway. I try the key. It doesn't work. So I ask housekeeping, can you let me in? I show them the key. And they said, no. They called security. Security comes up. And uh, about the time security arrived, then uh, Flint arrived. And we couldn't get the key to work in the main door. But we go two doors back down the hallway and, and use the key, and it opens that door. Uh, but we walk in through a kitchen. And then you go through this kitchen and around. Well, it, it turns out that uh, Mr. Gone had let us use... The owner his, of the South Point. The owner of the South Point had let us use his suite. Well, that was the same year. I, I should have told this before... But that was the same year Flint had had his heart attack. And he wasn't sure whether he could do outside the barrel at noon and then do the buckle ceremonies at night. He, he, he wasn't sure what condition his he was heart was He was thinking about in. skipping the buckle yeah. ceremonies. he was thinking about skipping the buckle ceremonies. Which are at the South Point, which Mr. Gone has a, a huge investment in. Yes. So uh, that was one of the things that we were going to discuss on our trip. Well, we get to the room and the security guard leaves. We're like some teenage kids. We're high-fiving. It looks north down the strip. I've never, in Centennial, Wyoming, we don't have anything like this. This is cool. And uh, so we're, we're calling dibs on who gets what bedroom. And, and, and Flint runs over to his bedroom, and uh, it's, it's completely dark. And uh, he stops in the doorway, and he goes, hey, Kurt, come here, come here. And we go, and you look, and there, you can tell something's in the bed, and, and you think, crap. You know, some is somebody asleep here? What's going on? And I can just see a tuft of hair, and it's dark. And and uh, uh, I was gonna send Flint in, but his name's on the marquee, so right, yeah, he, so he you doesn't gotta do, do that. Yeah, so I go in, I pull the sheet back, and there's a prosthetic horse head laying in the bed. I mean, and it freaks you out. And at that moment, the phone rings. And uh, I hear a voice on the other end that says, is Flint there? And I said, yeah, just a minute. And I give it to him, and I hear Flint say, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I got your message. 
Yeah, I'll be doing the buckle ceremony. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny how people in in Vegas can have uh, a lot of influence on all of us. Well, a couple things real quick before we wind this thing down. Um, When you look back on your uh, time here in in this business, in this world, what are a a couple of the things or people – who did you get starstruck by? Was there ever somebody that that now especially you look back and you go, holy crap, I got to work with that guy or I got to do this? Oh, uh, I've got to meet some interesting people. I don't know that I was starstruck, and and this is going to sound like I'm I'm sucking up again. But the the greatest people I met are the ones that I work right. with. Yeah, yeah same. That, that's fun. Uh, I I've I've got to meet you know Larry the Cable Guy, George Strait, uh, Wayne Newton. I met George Strait one yeah. time. Mm-hmm. Apparently, did you? Yeah, the same mm-hmm. night, but I had no idea. Yeah, backstage uh-huh. at the South Point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Miss Dark back M- there. Mr. Strait and I aren't on talking terms. So. Okay. Yeah. Why? Why? Yeah. Uh, because Tough Cooper had asked me to play some of his music, and I didn't realize Mr. Strait was standing behind me when I told Tough that a this isn't a radio station, and b even if I had that George Strait crap, I wouldn't play it. Uh, and he was standing. He right was standing you. behind me, and when they brought him out, he was nice enough to lean over and tap me on the shoulder and said, "Hey." Tomorrow I'll send over some of that George Strait crap so you have it to play. That's <laughs> <laughs> it, crazy. It's crazy yeah. the like the encounters you have that like you would never expect. Like you said, Larry the Cable Guy, uh, Wayne Newton, you oh, know, people nice, like that. This guy on the planet, isn't that nuts? Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, so it's been a it's been a great ride. But uh, these friends and people that I've met throughout, whether it be you or Matt Merritt, Flint Rasmussen, uh, Richard Jones is one of my best friends in the world. Uh, He's just, it, I mean, congratulations to him on, on becoming a granddad. Yeah. But uh, that, that's been the highlight of it. It, it. And I don't care what they say. When I pack that bag, the, the juices start to flow. When I walk into an airport, there's something magical. I'm still a little kid. There's something magical about it. Yeah, no, I, I agree. When you start to realize that, hey, I'm going to work, it's, it's not like everybody else's job. Because no. I, I hear so many people that got to go to work tomorrow. No, I get to go to Denver tomorrow, or I get to go. I have no idea what the hell's in Manchester, New Hampshire, but I'm going and can't wait. Yeah. You know, it is. We're pretty lucky. We're pretty blessed. Absolutely blessed. And uh, I, w- I, uh, I wouldn't trade these memories for the world or the friends that I've made. I know you're a big social media guy, obviously. Um, you <laughs> probably got like uh, more followers than everybody here combined in the studio audience. I've got... I think the, this studio audience represents my total followers. <laughs> Everybody that follows you on social media yeah. is behind this camera, behind the microphone. But, you know, if people are, are looking, how do they find you? I don't You don't know. want them to know? Well, no. I, I really don't know what, what Twitter and Instagram handles are. It, it's Kurt with a C. Uh, that, <laughs> you know, search that. I, when, when I put out the podcast, I'll tag you in some stuff so we okay. can figure it out, okay? All right. Uh, when you're done, when you're all said and done. How do you want people to remember you? Uh, I want them to remember me as being fair uh, and fun. And uh, I don't want anybody to ever have re- have had regretted working around or with me. I think that's a pretty good way to put it. And I don't think anybody's ever going to have that feeling. I-, I do know it's fair to say that this was fun, so I appreciate you doing this. We'll have to do it again sometime. I would look forward to it. Um, and before <laughs> I close, I, I would like to get confirmation that around the week of Kansas City's PBR event, 
I can get Richard Jones on the podcast. I, I got a I got a nod hit a head nod, but I'm looking for a verbal confirmation like you're sitting in a safety row. Okay. Let, let me right. tell you something about Richard Jones. A head nod is his contract. Okay? That's right. That's right. That's right. Well, Kurt, I appreciate you doing this, buddy. It was fun. Thank you. Let's have some fun tonight.